test, 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 more test, 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 yeah, no, well, I was I was okay. doing a, little, a mic check, but I, I kind of do like a little soft opening. Soft. Just roll in, you know, I don't really have to try to do the intros just yet. Okay, was that the soft opening? Yes. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> We're live. We are sort of live. We are recording live. I would like to see somebody record in the past or record in the future. I don't know. Point. I guess if you've seen Arrival, um, you know, time is not linear. It's it's cyclical or it's like all encompassing. I don't know. Spoiler alert. Sorry. Never it's seen not a the huge, movie. Yeah. Not a big spoiler, but uh, they talk about the idea of time and it, you know the aliens. You know, and I don't want to spoil how how they you know how they present it, but it is like you know they bring up questions about time travel and how you perceive the world. Like, what if you knew everything you were gonna know in your life all at once? Like, you knew all of your memories from when you're a baby you know the present right now and then you know the future all at once like how would that still like you know change how you live your present diet like life you know that's kind of a, a mind trip yes it is <laughs> <laughs> and maybe that's Holy why shit. it uh, didn't win any oscars because people are like dude i'm not stoned for this <laughs> like i want to watch something sad like moonlight yeah, i don't even remember that movie coming did that come out in the last year or so yes it did yeah oh, and it yeah. just was uh it was up for oscars but it wasn't really gonna be you know it was a long shot yeah i recently gotcha. just watched it on on demand so you know it was it is on vod now so it's worth watching i'll check it's, it out it's yeah. do you like sci-fi movies do you like a lot of like you know movies that are out there yeah a little bit i mean i i don't know i do i haven't watched that many movies in the last three to five years like i've just been so busy i've seen like i've seen like six movies in the last five years like it's, it's really? kind of embarrassing so people talk about stuff i'm like i have no idea what so what were those about. last six movies uh i saw moonlight oh saw really moonlight. yeah i like moonlight how was that like uh, you really liked it or it was it just you know I okay. liked it. I liked it. The I I walked out of the movie like the movie thinking that was pretty good, and I liked it the more I thought about it afterwards. I was like, holy shit, that was a really good movie. Like without giving it away, like what did you like about it? Just um, the message it brought, or yeah, the message. It was it was beautifully shot. It the was cinematography. Just, yeah. yeah, it was it was really great. Um, it was just it was intense. It was gripping. It was uh, you know, and the characters movie. definitely were worth like all the awards. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Mahershala, I think Ali. I think that's the guy that won. Yeah, he won big. He was great in it. He, mm. was, he was really good. Yeah, I would love to see it. I always feel like, though, like, I got to be in the mood to watch those movies. You know, not saying I don't want to watch it. It's just like, and I'm going to be honest, since my time is so limited, like everybody else's, it's yeah. like, do I want to watch Moonlight or do I want to watch Rundown for the 15th time? Yeah, no, I feel you. That's, that's <laughs> not a movie you watch after a long day at work when right, you're tired. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah, you got to put aside some time to, like, process like, that I'm shit. I'm sure Herschel is lovely, but I want to see The Rock and... <laughs> Sean Williams Scott like kick ass <laughs> or yeah watch John Wick or something I'm sorry but yeah. I do want to see it though I'll probably see it it's out on DVD right or yeah uh, you're wrong you're asking the wrong guy probably <laughs> you, you, you can see it you don't scope out all the red boxes <laughs> <laughs> no, no. what would you say is like your you know niche with entertainment you know is there any entertainment you follow uh, I, I mean obviously stand up um, yeah that kind of goes without saying I, so you watch weird. a lot of specials like a lot of I try to it's hard because you know my my girlfriend does not really like watching stand up so whenever we watch <laughs> neither does together, mine <laughs> yeah yeah it's, that makes it hard but when I but, you know when I have some alone time I'll try to, to catch something and like short clips like on Conan that's mm -hmm, those mm -hmm. are always easy um, I always uh, just literally before I came here I was watching the Dave Chappelle 
uh, Netflix special that just came out. Oh my god! Yeah, that came out and, yesterday. Yeah, or yeah, today? yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh fuck, man! Tuesday. It. So yeah, today. Yeah. And uh, you know, my girlfriend and I were eating dinner, and I was like, obviously, like this is hilarious, and she was like. Do we have to watch this really for for Dave Chappelle? <laughs> and I, mean, I was this, like, it's Dave Chappelle. It doesn't like, get better. Yeah, this has been ten years in the making or whatever. It's like so. monumentous. It was his first special in like ten years. Yeah, and yeah, we got maybe about maybe fifteen minutes in before. That's, that's about as far as I can get with my girlfriend too. Yeah, fifteen. It's like a barrier you have to break at that point. That's when she was like, "Don't you have a podcast to record?" <laughs> How how did you like uh, his special the first fifteen minutes of it? It was good. You know, he his his through line that I'm loving is uh, he's you know he just has his bits about meeting OJ Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> he has like four four times that he's met OJ, <laughs> and you know it's just it's funny. You know, and I think that's what's crazy about like at some point in your stand up career when you get to that prolific, you know, when you become a Louis or a Dave Chappelle or whatever, it's no longer about like hey what's the deal with airplane food. It's it's I'm just going to tell you my crazy life now. Yeah. You know, I'm just going to live my life and then tell you on stage, like, Hey, I ran into this crazy time when somebody pulled me over, but I'm a huge celebrity. So now it's going to be funny. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm not dogging on it. I'm not saying this is, it shouldn't happen. I'm just saying like, I find it, it might get easier when you get to that level. Like, Oh, I just got to tell people about my life. I don't have to like come up with amusing observations or funny limericks or whatever. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I definitely think it's easier in that you go up and everyone already knows you. They already know. Like, exactly. Okay, this guy's the shit. And I mean, so there maybe have... is a different expectation for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that's, that's, I guess that's the other side of the coin. Um, but they, I think guys like Seinfeld and, and Chappelle and stuff wouldn't even admit that like, yeah, you know, the first, when I first go up on stage opening is way easier as a legend than it was as an open micer or whatever. Um, I would say that like, you know, yeah, they talk about their lives, but I feel like they're still using the, the skills they learned. Oh, they yeah. just, they're so good at hiding and concealing and like hiding the strings. So and they're that, great storytellers. Yeah, so it's yeah. all about crafting a great story. There's still punchlines. There's still like beats to it, you know? Yeah. Someone, I think it just becomes that, a different type of comedy. Like, you know, when you first start, it's like, I'm just trying to think of anything that's going to make somebody laugh. Yeah. And then it just, once you get enough years under your belt of, oh, I know I can make people laugh, then it turns into like, okay, well... How uh, can I get my voice out the most? You know, yeah. then I think people always say like, then you find your voice later. You know, you find your way to say like, it's me that they're coming to see, not because I'm telling a DMV joke <laughs> that's yeah. really killer or whatever. <laughs> it's me going to the DMV. Yeah, and yeah. You learn how to be funny, and then you learn how to be funny in the best way for you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you gotta have the I first th- one first before. You know. Speaking of good stand-up specials that I found really cool and interesting, especially as like an up-and-coming comic, is uh, Sam Tripoli just came out with a double-disc CD, and I, I was listening to it on online, and what's cool about it is that one disc is him killing, and the other disc is him bombing, <laughs> and it's the same hour, and you can totally just listen to, like, it's so weird to hear, like, this joke kill and on the same, like, t- uh, literally the next night, it's horribly wrong. Like, people are definitely, like, walking out, like, <laughs> out of the theater. <laughs> I feel like every musician in the Long Beach music scene should be required to watch that or listen right, to that. Right. It's be like, it's not, you know, it, you, sometimes they work, you know? It's not just, uh, I'm not just terrible all the time. <laughs> These are jokes that have worked before. <laughs> 
that's what I always find funny. Like sometimes when I start seeing comics, they'll say something on stage that doesn't hit, and then they'll always react like, "Fuck you guys, that's funny." <laughs> yeah, I I try not to do that because that's just yeah. like, you know, don't be a dick about it. You mm-hmm. know, take your yeah. You don't have lumps, to make the but... audience like feel upset that they didn't laugh at your joke. Exactly. Yeah, and I, I mean, I understand the feeling. I, mm-hmm. I sympathize, but like, mm-hmm. it's not probably the best way to handle it. Right. I always feel like too, and it's always like a joke that they're trying to be smart with, and then it's not hitting. So then they always go like, "Oh, you guys are dumb. You know, you're not. You don't get it." And yeah. It's like, no, they got it. They just didn't find it funny. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you don't know what you, like, you, know? you just know it didn't work. Welcome to This Comics Life. This is me, your host, D. Williams, a.k.a. Daryl Williams, a.k.a. Dumbass, a.k.a. Dude that's hanging out with a lovely kitty and a lovely guest. He is a really cool guy and probably one of the first comedians I ever met on the open mic stage. Anyway, (laughs) enough stroking his cat, literally (laughs) and figuratively. My guest this week is fellow stand-up comedian, Ryan Scooley. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, man. <laughs> Do you have? Uh, I always love people's, uh, you know, names and uh, how they, you know, pick their stage name. You know, obviously, I would assume this is your real name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not your. I didn't choose Schoolie. That was, not, that was given to me. There hasn't been a Schoolie on the stage. Yep, I'm picking Schoolie. <laughs> but uh, yeah, why Schoolie or why you know Ryan? Uh, just because it's your name? <laughs> yeah, I just. Uh, I mean, I don't have a problem with stage names, but I, I have a problem with like goofy stage names hmm. where it's like you, you didn't know, want to be like ryan the entertainer yeah, well yeah i mean <laughs> cedric the entertainer can call himself whatever the fuck he wants like he's he's kind of earned it but just you know or just ryan yeah like well, there was a guy who signed up for um he wasn't a comedian but he signed up once at the library and he called himself the night poet like i don't want to be the night poet of comedy you know <laughs> i always love like figuring out when a comic feels like they need to use a gimmick and then when do they decide that gimmick is now my gimmick <laughs> yeah you know when does carrot top pull out the trunk when yeah. does like you know larry the cable guy become the cable guy yeah. that's i don't know that's and it's like i don't i don't want to be a gimmick like i do this to kind of like get away from right like i want this to be kind of authentic and like mm. kind of true about he's like you know my favorite my favorite comics are guys like louis ck and bill burr and it's like those guys are them you know right like that's kind of what i'm aiming for i don't want to be if it's nothing against doing characters i think that's you know that can be really funny but i don't want to be like the tacky 80s comedian with the the, the character and the, the catchphrase and right he's here one day and he you never hear about him two years later yeah i do find it odd like but not odd i don't know i'm not like envious but i do i do find it fascinating seeing certain comics and how they come up with that and then how they just now become that instead of it just being like oh yeah this is just a bit this yeah. is just part of a little chunk of the act it just doesn't become the whole thing yeah I, well i could see like because i think dice his his right it was yeah it was a character he did and then it blew up so big it's like right. well now i'm dice <laughs> like i yeah. have to kind of live and die by that like i've noticed like i, I don't know if you know who craig shoemaker is but he's a comedian that's, that does a lot of uh, the OC and L.A. scene. I wouldn't say he was like a household name, obviously, but he would do this bit called The Love Master. And yeah, I, I saw him in the early 90s, and it would be maybe like his closer, you know, yeah. the, the last 10 minutes. He would just bust out like this 
different persona, kind of like a nutty professor type of thing, you know, where yeah. it was just suddenly like, hey, baby, how you doing? Yeah. I'm the love master, baby. Yeah. Yeah, I'm as hard as Final Jeopardy. That's right, baby. I'll take you out for breakfast. I could hold two cups of coffee and a dozen donuts right there, baby. Yeah, I was circumcised by a bandsaw. That's right, baby. One night with me, you'll be sweating like Jessica Simpson taking the SATs. That's right, baby. You go to school with me, you'll graduate magna cum loudly. That's right, baby. I'm the love master. And it was funny. It was really funny. And then I saw him, like, you know, recently, like, maybe, like, you go a good 15 years later. And, like... 80% of the bit or his whole act was the love master now. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, really? Like, I love him. I still have a good, like, he's a great comic, but it yeah. is like the whole act now, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I, if I hate funny, to like criticize, yeah. but it is like, am I going to fall prey to that? Would I fall prey to that? Like, would I be a comic that's like, oh, this works. Now I got to do twice as much of this now. I definitely understand the temptation, you know? Yeah. It's so hard to get and, anything that works. And as another comic, you can never, like, really go, like, oh, he's just doing that. You're like, yeah, because it's working. Yeah, bro. Like, yeah. <laughs> And it's just, you know, <laughs> at the end of the day, it kind of, like, the beauty of stand-up is it's, like, it's the most restricted art form, but it's also the most open-ended mm. in that you could do anything as long as it gets a laugh yeah. at a regular rate. And, and so as long as it's funny, it, like, it's open game. And it's almost like, are you giving them shit because it's not funny or because you're jealous that it's not yeah. you that came up with it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, I feel like there's a lot of that with envy or pity you know what is it oh envy i think that with guys who blow up like that like you know everyone everyone loves to shit on dane cook and it's like or the larry the cable guy or, larry or the carrot top guy, yeah but like, especially with dane it's like he, he's not like changing the the way i see comedy but like the dude's fucking funny like yeah you give him that and it's like feel, and maybe it's not the way you would deliver a joke but you can't say he's not worth seeing exactly yeah yeah, I would, I would. I would see Dane for you know. Whatever. I would see him. I, in fact, I. I think I saw him. I'm not positive, but I. I thought I saw him once at the Comedy and Magic Club. Yeah. Before he was Dane Cook. Yeah. Crystal Lee is another guy that everyone shits on. He used to do Long Beach spots. He used to do the Gas Lamp all the time when it was apparently like a yeah. Year the Gas Lamps has has a lot of A-listers there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I remember seeing Jay Moore there, and he was great. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, I've seen the posters for Jane Moore. I think mm-hmm. Nice has actually done. Yep. Stamp a couple yep. Times, and so. Polly Shore was there not yeah. too long ago. You would think he'd be at the store. Yeah, exactly right. But yeah, whatever. Delia was he was like a year in. He was already doing Gaslight, but like featuring, and um, yeah, he used to do spots around Long Beach. There's a guy. Do you know Mark Marini? He's a he's a Long Beach comic. He's been doing it for a little while, and he he would see Dane when he first started out, or I'm not Dane, uh, Delia when he first started out. Mm-hmm. He was like, this guy's gonna be. A fucking star. Certain guys, like you can just—I mean, call it whatever, I guess—but they just have it. Charisma, you know, they yeah. got that that one thing that you're just like, you know, I wish I got that early. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> like I might find it still someday, but it's, yeah. it didn't come that quickly to me, <laughs> or it hasn't yet. Yeah, exactly. Like I'll say that to uh, a few guys, like that I've met on the scene, like uh, you know Ryan Papazian, uh, Keith Carey, a few guys like that. They're oh, just yeah. like, oh, they found what it takes to be successful pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and you know, I hope I find world. it that quick. <laughs> yeah. Like to, cause you know, to get to where those guys are at like five years in, that's pretty fucking. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was told when I started like 10 and they're doing it, they're cutting the time in half. Right. Which is pretty remarkable. 
I always find it fascinating. Yeah, people always have these like time stamps of like, oh, it takes this long. Oh, it took this long. It's like, you know, everybody is in their own journey, yeah. but it does like keep you motivated. Like, oh, this guy, it only took four years for him. Oh, it only took six years for him. Like, it still gives me hope. Like, oh, it's not going to take 20. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> not it's... saying I'm not, if it takes more than six, I'm out or whatever, but. Yeah. It's fun. It's funny you say that because I like, it's how fucked up I am is I take that same thing and I like I use it to stab myself where it's like I've seen these guys get you know really good really fast and I'm like well how the fuck do I still suck this much at two years like if mm. I don't keep pace with them then you know I'm never going to be able to do anything in right comedy. right like, I use it to like basically torture myself like well I always torture myself with like yeah that same fact of not like I've been doing it this long why am I not more successful I always do like why didn't I do this 10 years earlier oh like, yeah no why me am too. I not yeah. like why didn't I start at 21 instead of 31 <laughs> yeah uh, no I, i'm similar boat i started at 27 and i really wish i started a good i think 23 is a good time to start yeah 23 is like you know it's like that internship time where like you can still live at home yeah. you can still have less responsibilities to let you have the flexibility of going out all the time and doing these sets over and over and staying out late and having that schedule because now when you're in your later years you have responsibilities that keep you away and exactly. or not i'm saying keep you away but just make it harder it makes it harder and it's like you know you see like all your friends start getting married and it's like i, I think it's harder to go through the humbling aspect oh, yeah. of stand up i'm invited older. to three weddings this year so yeah. far and <laughs> it's like ugh. <laughs> oh how many times am i gonna have to hear like when are you getting married yeah. it's like oh, God. i haven't quite gotten to that but i know that <laughs> question's coming yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think it's like marriage is kind of like pushed on as like this thing you have to do. And, you know, maybe it's not for everyone. And maybe you could have, a, you know, a fulfilling long term relationship without it. And I will admit, in my experience, I've seen more failed marriages than good ones. Yeah. So I'm not like, oh, me personally, I haven't had that huge institution of like, oh, this is so great. No, I'm like, I've seen a lot of shitty ones. <laughs> and when it goes wrong, it fucks you up real good, you know? Yeah. So it's like culturally, we're, we're clearly looking at this the wrong way in right. some respects. Like we need to step back and see. Do you find it like odd that you have to have these traditions in your life and you're like, I didn't sign up for this tradition, but we have to go through it because it's a tradition, you know? I th I didn't earlier in life, but as I get older, I'm starting to notice it more and, and be like, why is it that way? Yeah. Is I, it like, just because our parents did it? Like, I think that's a comic thing, too, is like you start seeing the world differently and you look for ways that's different. And you, you notice these things that stick out. And it's like that doesn't really make sense if you think about it. Right. Well, it's the deal with marriage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely tend to overthink it a lot. I definitely tend to like look at like the institution itself. Like, yeah, the reasons why people get married are a lot of reasons. And sometimes they're really stupid reasons. And I'm just like, well that sounds stupid <laughs> <laughs> and i'm not like against marriage either uh baby if you're listening <laughs> but i it's yeah it's just i i think people are definitely they, they don't think about maybe how this could turn out long like how much it could just ruin your life right you know yeah it can and uh i've seen it happen you're, and... you're basically you're putting a, a loaded gun in another person's hand and you're being like <laughs> I know you're not going to shoot me, you know? <laughs> so you better be pretty sure that that person's not going <laughs> to not gonna shoot. I'm not saying that I um, am scared of my girlfriend, but I have thought about, like, how creepy it would be to wake up with her just standing over me with a knife. <laughs> just, like, and how plausible is that? Yeah. It's not out of the realm of possibility. <laughs> so it's the Chris Rock bit, right, where he's like, every every person in a marriage thinks about killing the other person at some point <laughs> just don't do it <laughs> i'm not saying i did this with my girlfriend that i'm with now but i have thought in 
past with other girlfriend exes. Yeah. Like, how cool would it be to have her die in some <laughs> natural way, like an accident or some tragedy or whatever, and me get to just reap the benefits of like, oh, so sad that he lost his girlfriend. <laughs> now I'm going to, you know, blow him in the at the wake or something. <laughs> get those nice... Get and it's like a twofer, jobs. like, not only am I hooking up with some hot chick at the funeral, <laughs> but I don't have to be with my ex anymore. <laughs> it's win-win. Uh, yeah, dude, natural uh, natural death is the uh, the perfect way out of a relationship. And I get to look like a hero. Like, you know, like, it's like a victim. Like, oh, he lost his girlfriend. So sad. It's like, I didn't want that bitch anyway. <laughs> Can't say that out loud, though. <laughs> Funny. But I, I don't know. Maybe that's a little morbid. Maybe that's just me. I think everybody thinks that at some point. Like, you, you have the fantasy. You do. Like, I want to get out of this. Mm-hmm. What if, uh, you know, right. a oh. car were to come by at the right time, at the right yeah, speed? this bus is coming. What yeah. if she just fell in the gutter all of a sudden? <laughs> <laughs> she missed, tried to dodge the bus and then went right in the gutter and broke her neck. And I'm sorry. If, I mean, I guess that's just me being a chicken shit. Like, this is me just ultimately going like, I wished some unforeseen circumstance ended this shitty relationship yeah. because I'm too much of a puss to just tell her, I don't want to be with you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a hard thing to say because you know you're going to hurt someone real bad yeah. by saying that. So if you're I, a human being litter- at all, you're going to have a hard time breaking up with people. I would rather have a bus hurter than yeah. be hurt. <laughs> <laughs> nice though to have like survey cards to be like hey why didn't you find that funny you know was it the dick part or is it because i yeah could i have said penis would that been funnier <laughs> but yeah that first of all that would be fucking brutal to read right you know <laughs> i think i think with regular people like they don't know the the stuff that we know from, from going to these mics they wouldn't they wouldn't be able to like like they wouldn't be able to articulate why they didn't like it they'd just be able to like it wasn't funny yeah it's like you listen yeah. to anyone who like, who comes up and like talks to you after they're either like yeah that, that guy was funny or yeah that guy wasn't funny it's like mm-hmm. they don't they don't see the distinction they don't understand why that person might not have been funny that night it's just oh he's he must not be funny you know and it is weird how like you know i always think that you know an audience laughter is contagious i've noticed that you get a few people laughing and now other people are now going to be more susceptible to wanting to laugh too. Yeah. It's just not like you suddenly became funnier. It's because the audience kind of realized like, oh, this guy's not bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a real effect. You have to learn how to like leverage in your favor. You know, how many times do you think you, you bond like in a row? In the most, my most consecutive. Yeah. Bonds? Mm-hmm. Fuck. I don't know. man. That's <laughs> <laughs> I, I went through some rough stretches. Um, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of in a rough stretch right now. Really? Uh, Do you feel like it's just uh, material related, or you're just not in the right headspace? I think it's a combination of the, the two. I've been trying to really aggressively push new stuff out there. Mm-hmm. A lot of stuff that's not ready, just to get it out there, because I got sick of saying the same old jokes, and I felt kind of yeah. stuck in my material. I get that way. Yeah, and I feel like it's partly that. I feel like it's partly like my old jokes. I've said them so many times, it's hard not to autopilot them. You know what I mean? And you're not, and then you're not like you're not it's present. not genuine anymore. yeah yeah people people like that's another thing is like i don't think an audience member would be able to articulate oh that guy's not in the moment but they could they could sense it but they they couldn't explain it kind of thing yeah and it's like a, it's a turn off to to the crowd i think that's the art of comedy especially a good comedian that does like you know like you watch an hour special 
you you see it presented in a way where it's like, oh, this guy's like, I think he might be saying this for the first time. Like he might just be saying this hour for like, oh yeah, he came up with it like a couple of weeks ago with his buddies or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, no, he's been doing this for a year straight, three times a night or whatever. And uh, you don't see, but that's the thing. They make it look like it's still fresh and it's still like they haven't yeah. said it a million times before. Yeah, I don't know how the they fuck sell they sell it. That. Yeah, <laughs> because I think they put themselves in a headspace like this is funny. I'm I'm now laughing with the audience too. You yeah, know? there's definitely like a sort of zen zen quality to stand right. up where it's like certain things that you wouldn't think matter like matter intensely. Right, like that being the being present, being like just confident in your shit, like. But then you always hear like comedians after their hour or their special go like, oh yeah, and I never want to tell that joke ever again. Yeah, I don't. I'm doing the special, so I never have to say this thing. Yeah. Again. It's almost like the special is their like ah the release like oh I don't have to tell this shitty joke anymore, great. <laughs> but I don't know like I'm maybe not at that point now obviously for specials and whatnot. But I'm not at that stage where it's like oh this is killing. But I hate saying it. You know. Yeah. It's like I might hate saying it, but it's more likely because it hasn't hit in 15 times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the I I definitely get a lot of that too. Yeah. But I don't get discouraged. I always do want to like think like, oh, it's just the audience. You know, I find it funny, and I know that other people have laughed at it. It's just I now like feel like, especially doing different stages and different audiences. It's like, oh, this isn't a wine bar joke. This oh, is yeah. a different. This is a barroom joke. You learned that okay, certain audiences aren't going to just be into this. You know, I I did a show with Nick Merritt, and it was a metal show. So there were all these metal fans because there was a band called Goratorium that was. <laughs> playing right afterwards <laughs> so of course like yeah so of course i tell my transgender shit and that goes over really well <laughs> <laughs> yeah but if i like brought up like you know some other stuff that probably wasn't as r-rated it probably wasn't gonna go as well <laughs> Yeah, and it's you know it's interesting because when you pick up on things like that, you learn like okay, this joke does well in this room, but you also learn a little bit about yourself as a performer. Mm. Like, I was thinking over the weekend, I realized a lot of my act has to do with like me being sad or me being self conscious. Mm. And I was thinking like that shit's not gonna fly at all in like a hostile bar environment. Like yeah, I, I cannot take those jokes because I will get chewed the fuck apart. Yeah, you know? it's not relatable. Or if it is, they don't want to relate at that moment to it. Yeah, because well, I feel like especially. It's... Bar like bar shows can be so hostile, and they they like they almost don't want to like you in certain certain situations, mm. and they're like looking, like I, I it's like a different type of drunk. It is, yeah. They're like a they're they're kind of angrier, and like they're looking for someone to like unload their problems on. Hey you, let's fight. Them's fighting words. <laughs> and you're not like the reason they're there. Yeah, you know they're there to drink. They're not there. They might like be quiet in the sense of like. I don't know, maybe not even be quiet. <laughs> yeah. But like, I don't, at like a club, they're pointed at you. There's chairs that are like, you know, around a stage. Like they're there to see comedy. Yeah. At a bar show, it's like, yeah, you're always going to see the people at the bar just having a conversation like you're not even up. And and you're like, okay, well, now you got to win them over. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's intense. You, you definitely have to have a little bit more machismo, a little bit more bravado. <laughs> you can't go up there talking about how you, uh. You're, you're depressed all the time. Gonna, right. <laughs> take that. I had a depression joke that was going pretty well, but it is like, you can only talk about it so much. You know, I've, I've, I've thought of like when I first started telling it, 
it was hitting well and then i would like try to lengthen it but then i would like go oh i should have just like cut it off when it hit and then go on to something else instead yeah. of just trying to milk it yeah it's, it's like uh i don't know it's it's hard to describe it's like gas like certain jokes have more gas in their tank hmm. you know and it's like they have more premise fuel that you can burn to to take new angles and some of them it's just like it's better like if it's a low tank like don't even try to yeah. don't try to drive to arizona on a low tank you know <laughs> it's a one-liner yeah know? exactly it's, it's not a five-minute bit it's fine as a one-liner <laughs> it's 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 a, it's a it's fine as what it is but it's not going to be like a an extended thing would you say that you're a, a certain type of a comic I don't know. I maybe I am. I don't. I have no idea. I'm still. You know. Would you like brand yourself as such? You know, like a certain like I'm a storyteller or I'm a one-liner. Yeah. I don't. I mean, I know. I tend to like more long-form jokes. Like I don't mm. like doing like really short set of punch, set of punch. Right. Like I don't. I tried doing the one-liner thing when I first started, and I didn't. It didn't feel. I felt too constricted in it. Hmm. Um. Beyond that, I don't like. I'm still trying to get a sense of who I am on stage and like what kind of jokes I like. Like I have, I have a hard time. Like I'll come up with some stuff that, that I'll start working. I'm like, Oh, okay. This is, this is good. This is kind of like in my voice, but I have a hard time like consistently writing jokes that are like in my voice. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's hard to, it's very qualitative. It's hard to kind of like articulate it, but that's another thing I've been, I kind of realized recently is like, I'm writing a bunch of these jokes. I'm like this, I can't really see the Ryan on stage saying this effectively. Right. You know, and do you feel like you're a different person on stage or that you try to just say like, no, I'm a, I'm the same Ryan off stage and off, you know, on stage. I mean, I try, I try to narrow the gap. I, I think I have a little bit more, I mean, I, f- I think I might actually be a little more confident on stage in certain <laughs> scenarios. I could be really shy and reserved off stage. I'm the same and, way. Yeah. And on stage, I, I've learned through practice and eventually it's starting to become a little more natural. I have a little bit more bravado. Um, yeah, I mean, I will admit it, you have to have a little bit of confidence on stage, even if you're oh, yeah. not a loud or obnoxious person. You still have to know, like, I'm going up here, anticipating people are going to laugh. Yeah, you know? yeah, and uh, and that's it's not. It's like it's, if you show them that, like, you could be the insecure comic, the comic that talks about like his insecurities or her insecurities. Yeah, and have a, a soft delivery or whatever. Yeah, but the second you show them that you're insecure about what you're doing right now, like, you're done. They're mm-hmm. not, they're not going to be on, they're not there to play that game, you know? Yeah. Like that kind of happened to me last night. Like I, <laughs> I opened with new shit, which was ill-advised. Um, it did not, it did okay-ish and I kind of like recoiled and they could, they could see like a glimmer of fear in my eye. And after that, there was no, there was no getting them back. Yeah. It is weird how people do say that there are certain rules to like a set or whatever, like, you know, never open with new stuff, always have it in the middle or, you know, close with something big, you know, open with something big and I get it. But, you know, also at open mics, I've seen most people 50-50 time, like, they'll open with crowd work. They'll open with, uh, I don't know if it's new stuff, but it's definitely, like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I see a lot of different, like, ways. That's Yeah, that's true. For context, this was was at Anchor Bar. It was, like, a Mm. fairly full room. The crowd was kind of warmed up. Um, The guy before me opened with a real... I won't say what he joked about. He opened with a joke about a national tragedy from the last 10 years. Awesome. There's been a lot of them. Use your imagination. Mm-hmm. It kind of put the crowd in a sort of a weird mood. And so <laughs> in that... it was sometime in September. <laughs> Wait, what? I wonder if it, was, it wasn't uh, the last 17 years or... <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, it was, not, it was not that particular national tragedy. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, it, and so it, I feel like the crowd was kind of like in a weird mood. And so in that 
particular situation, it would have been more advised to open with something like, okay, this is going to work, and then try to work out my new right. stuff. Ha- Do you ever uh, acknowledge, like, when the comic before you eats a dick or, like, I, you know, yeah. says something, like, about a national tragedy, and you go, like, ugh, I wouldn't have said that, or, or you know, try to play off of it ever? <sighs> no, and unless the guy really steps over the line to, like, a ridiculous... Like, if it's just a guy trying out a joke in it, you know... It, it crossed the crowd's line. It's like I've I've been there. Like I don't want to like mm. I don't want to like twist the knife after someone had right. upset. You know, right? Because I've had people do that to me, and it feels really especially horrible. especially just for a, what probably a little small laugh at best. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. If it's someone, if I think if you're the host and the person crosses the line to the point where they like they get aggressive with the crowd or like mm-hmm, they start mm-hmm. like just being mean to they single out a person and they're just a dick for no reason. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or just they do something so fucking out there. At that point, you almost have to say something for the sake of the show. I've had but. that. I've had hosts do that where they'll, you know, you know, I'll, I'll I'll talk about two women jokes that didn't, you know, that don't go over well or whatever. So like the host will then follow like, okay, we get it, Daryl, you hate women, yeah, <laughs> or something like that. And and I mean, part it's I I'm terrible at this, but I try. You know, you, you got to try not to take. Because I, I get super like in my head about stuff when when people say shit. And if I if I bomb out and, and I'm walking off stage and I hear someone say something, like I get you know, really in my head about. <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> yeah, kind of. But it's like at the end of the day, is you gotta like. For me, speaking for myself, like I need to learn to t- not take that personally. Because if you look at it in another light, that's just the scene mm. telling you that's not okay mm. to do. Mm. Like in in a, a tough love way, it's like they're trying to like don't do that anymore. You know that you, that's not gonna give you the result you want. Yeah. Right. I <laughs> I find it funny like when like I bomb on stage like I always feel like it was a good bomb if I get like a few guys going like yeah man shit shit crowd tonight right or or they try to like console you or whatever yeah. but the worst is when you bomb and then everybody just like turns and goes like oh what's going on over there oh I know it's, <laughs> it's, it's fucking miserable uh, I think I might go outside for a little bit <laughs> yeah those are the bombs where it's like there wasn't really an excuse for you to bomb like yeah, that was not you yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's awkward wish online dating was that type of uh, revelations because yeah you always like on these algorithms see okay they might have the same religious convictions as me or they might have the same uh, political views as me but it doesn't say this person is a horrible sleeper or this person doesn't like half of the movies that you're gonna like <laughs> yeah <laughs> that doesn't like movies at all <laughs> or whatever you know things that you're gonna find out six months later in the relationship not instantly yeah that's uh we gotta we gotta get a site like that set that up <laughs> just like the, the kind of petty stuff like you gotta get that stuff out right right she's never gonna blow you after you move in things yeah. like that because <laughs> like it's not like i'm gonna hold it against her it's like i just want to know that that's not gonna be on the table <laughs> or that is gonna be something that's whatever we- after the the you know at the point where you decide you're going to exclusive there has to be a contract drawn up <laughs> that lays these things out Not a in detail yeah but it's a your lawyers <laughs> meet <laughs> it should be like what a happens in a divorce yeah it should be like that in the beginning too mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's there's things that i've 
probably should have divulged at the beginning that she probably would have liked to have known too. Oh, yeah. Everyone on a first date's a fucking liar. Like, the mm-hmm. worst liar. Exactly. And they always say, be yourself. And you're like, I, if I was myself, I would have never have gotten laid ever in my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that I've been this successful in my life is because I've never been myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You don't want to see me be myself. That's not good for you. <laughs> Not good for me. Myself wants to push a girl into a bus to break <laughs> up with her. <laughs> That's myself. <laughs> yeah. That guy doesn't come out on the first date. I, That's... That guy is going to get arrested real quick. <laughs> That's fourth date material. <laughs> I find it. I still haven't cracked that code with a lot of gender jokes, uh, girlfriend jokes. Like anytime I've been, I've tried to bring up my girlfriend, like women be like this, men be like this. It's never gone well. Yeah. And I just feel like, I think I'm just airing out my shit, not <laughs> telling jokes. <laughs> and people are really sensitive about that stuff. It's, you know, it's like a, a new wave of feminism is kind of culturally, especially in this area. Of course. And so people are kind of like on guard for anything that can mm-hmm. be viewed as sort of coming at it from the wrong angle, I think, unconsciously. And it's, yeah, I, I don't have a lot of jokes like that either. I just don't, I haven't found a way to like make my relationship like funny, like bring out the funny aspects of it, you know? Right, right. Um that and like in my job, like, I have an office job and I have a girlfriend and like you would figure that those would be pretty prominent in my act given how much of my life goes into that. But I just haven't quite gotten the angle that I want on it yet. That's like, okay, this is funny and this is, I stand behind this mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. That kind of thing. It's tough. What's the writing process? Do you just, yeah, I mean, I, I'm still trying to think of specific topics and then write about that topic or do you just like have an organic thought and go, oh, that's funny. I should write that down. I try to, and I, I'm still at the point where I'm playing around and trying to figure out how I write best. I generally have more success with the organic thought and try to write around that. Like, I'll try to, like, I have a little notepad thing on my phone, and if I think of something where I'm like, ha, huh, that's funny, like, I just write the premise down. And if, right. you know, if I have ideas for, like, some jokes, I'll write Like, you see something funny happen in your life. You go, oh, that's funny. I should write that down. Yeah, or um, or just, like, a funny thought or something, and then I'll try to write about it later. I've been, um, I've tried to like, just, you know, like take a topic, write some jokes about it. And they're always fucking terrible, <laughs> which I think is part of, I think you can do that, but I think you have to accept that like, it's going to take a while to, to get it going. I've been trying to do this new thing where I just write, cause I heard this from, um, from Daniel Eaches actually, he's a really right. good comedian yep. in the scene mm-hmm. where you just write five jokes a day and you just sit down until you have those five jokes. They don't have to be like bits, but they have to be like, you know, set up, there has to be a setup and a punchline and they don't have to be good. Yeah, he does that really well. His act is definitely like a lot of very tight setup punchline. You know, like that, yeah. You know, it's yeah. He's very he conserves good. words very well, but it's like the words he says. It's like every word's needed. Every yeah. word is like part of the joke. He's a yeah. He's a great. He'll ramble. Yeah. <laughs> I find myself that I do that a lot. You know, I, it's like I'm. I, I haven't found the cadence. I haven't found the wording. I'm just trying to get it out. Yeah. Do you like write on stage a lot? Do you? I do both. Like, I'll write on stage, but I'll also, like, I'll come up with a premise. I'll come up with, like, yeah. oh, this is funny. But then in the act of saying it, I'll notice I'll have tags that I didn't really think of at that time okay. that I'll just yeah. come up with on the stage. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, realize, like, oh, they hit. I'll kind of stretch it now instead of it being just that one thought that I was originally going to say. Yeah, yeah. But I do find, like... I write a lot in the shower and I think it's because it's the one place that I don't have my phone and I'm not like distracted. I'm just thinking about stuff, you know, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> and then I'll always be like, Oh yeah, that's funny. Like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And then I'll like get out and then like write it all down. Yeah. Yeah. But I find it. Yeah. Like 
I have to not be distracted. I have to not be like working or or doing something, watching TV. I don't I don't get a lot of inspirato from like watching TV. Yeah, I can like talk about like this thing happened that was really crazy on episode of Lost or whatever. Yeah. But I don't see that that's like a huge part of the act or whatever. Yeah. I, it's funny. I've heard other people talk about that too. Where it's like, if you're on your phone or you're watching TV, you're not thinking. Like your mm-hmm. mind isn't going. Your mind's on rest mode. Yeah. And the premises come from your mind. Even like a premise about a TV show. That's not. It's probably not the TV show. It's your mind coming up with an angle on the TV right. show. That's the thing. It's like I'll never come up with the idea when I'm watching the show. But when I'm in the shower reflecting about the show, yeah. that's when I come up with like, oh, I, that's funny. That one idea now. Because I don't know, it's like a different part of your brain. Yeah, and it's fun. now that you mention it, and I'm thinking about it, like a lot of my joke ideas come from when I'm like washing dishes, like doing like a mindless yeah. show of driving. You know? Yeah, it's like you're in autopilot, but since you're in autopilot, your subconscious mind is like free to think about things on a subconscious level. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I yeah, it's so crazy, like to ask like an artist, like where does it come from? And ultimately, every artist is gonna go, I don't know. Exactly, it just yeah. comes. To, it comes from wherever. <laughs> I wanted to know the answer to that question so bad before I started comedy. And I was hmm. so disappointed when I realized no one really knows. Yeah. <laughs> it just comes. And you have, and that's the thing is you have, you, you don't really have control of when the next mm. good idea is going to come. You can kind of like tempt it, but it's not. Yeah. Cause I, I, I was listening to a podcast recently and somebody was uh, telling me who was it? Uh, I forget, but it was a guy that was saying like, Oh, Dave Barry, he's a humorist. He wrote a lot of books and articles and stuff. And he was saying, in an interview that he doesn't believe in writer's block. Like you're just not giving yourself something to write about. Like there's always something to write about. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's bad, but you can write about something like people always feel like, Oh, if it's not going to be awesome, I should just not write at all. And I'll just try to keep thinking of that one idea that is good enough to put down on paper. And it's like, no, yeah, I, just write about anything. <laughs> and I like that mentality too. Cause like it's, it shouldn't be easy. It's not just going to come every time. Hmm. Like you should have to, if it's not coming to you, you got to go look for it yep, somehow. Yep, yeah. And it's like, it's, I think some of my problem is like, I, I, uh, you know, I went to school for math and physics and I tend to like overemphasize. <laughs> well, I tend to overemphasize the, like the structure of it and like the, the form the, I, I tend to treat it like a physics formula right, when it's right. not that way at all. It's a different thing. Yeah. Cause it is so subjective of like, there is no like a plus B equals laugh. Exactly. Yeah. It's like some people can say something where you're like, really? I would have never have thought that would have worked. Yeah. <laughs> and, but it does. And then other times you're like the only one laughing and you're like, wait, I'm the only one that finds that funny. Like <laughs> really? Come yeah. on. Okay. <laughs> I guess I'll never say that again. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's fucking, it's crazy. Enough about you. Let's talk about me. I have a new segment, and this involves questions that all are pertaining to me, and I want to know your thoughts on random assortments of whatever. And uh, yeah, this is a new segment. Hopefully it works. If it doesn't, I'm going to blame Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take the blame, man. I'll be your scapegoat. Yes, but uh, maybe the I believe the bit will be called questions about me or ask me questions or i don't know what it is <laughs> I'll, I'll think about it in post who knows but uh the first question is so do you think i should wear a wig no 
No. Fuck that shit. That's a coward's move. <laughs> it, you know what, dude? I think I'm not talking like a party wig, like a you know a straight little like George Clooney wig or something. You know. Fuck it, dude. I I like. I admire any man who is just like fuck this shit. I'm I'm taking things. I'm taking matters into my own hands. I'm leaning into this. You start losing the hair, just shave it all. Be a man about it. You know. I, like, I have definitely did that. Yep. Yeah. I I dude. I think it's like I think it's a bold move. You just like I'm I'm going to control how this happens. <laughs> I'm in charge here. You know. Like, I feel like it, I will say. Uh, if there is a time to be bald, this is the time to do it. It seems like that, yeah. Like, you know, probably 30 years ago, it wasn't the best time for bald guys. You know, they couldn't just, like, tackle, you know, oh, that's just a normal guy that wants to shave his head. It was more like, oh, he's in the Marines or he just got out of prison. Yeah. <laughs> you know, something like that. It's become kind of fashionable. Yeah. But are there more women that are like, oh, I wish he would shave his head or I wish he had hair? Well, I mean, <laughs> that's, a, that's a hard question to answer. I mean... <laughs> I wish he had hair. You can't really do anything about that. I guess you could get the wig, but it's just like, what if you're like, you know, you're having sex with her? <laughs> right. <laughs> feel weird saying that. You, you, you're, you're fucking a lady. Yeah. Things are getting yeah. intense. Yeah. You know, there's some hair pulling, and then the wig comes off. It's uh, like, how do you even... The yeah. humiliation, you know? I, I feel like if you're just honest about it, like... Because I respect it, you know? I feel like... I feel like if... Because asking the question, um, would you rather have hair? That's not, like, a fair question, because you can't, like, like, make it come back. But, like... <laughs> I'm trying, to, I'm trying to say this in the least dickish way <laughs> as a man with a full head of hair. But, like, I feel like between, like, a guy who, like, you know, leans into it and, and shaves it off or, like, tries to hide it, comb over right. wig, I feel like most most women, I, I don't want to speak for the ladies, but I feel like <laughs> most of them would be like, I would prefer the shaved head, you know? That's probably true. Yeah. I will admit, um, I mean... I did think to myself, like, would they really want a Vin Diesel or a George Costanza? <laughs> and I'm thinking Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel all the way, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Vin Diesel all the way. That being said, silly wigs, fucking awesome. Right. So if I got a mullet, that yeah. would be cool. <laughs> Definitely wear that. Definitely wear that. <laughs> all right, next question. If you didn't know me, what car would you think I drove? Uh, <laughs> something like a 2008 Camry. Gold. <laughs> A gold one? Gold one, yeah, the goldish one. <laughs> it's not like Or they call it like something dumb like luster. Luster? Or Yeah, so it would be something it would be something stupid like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a, a Camry, okay, a two thousand eight Camry. Down to earth car. Right. You know? Something yeah. that screamed white guy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> white guy, yeah. Down to earth white guy. <laughs> no joke, my first car that I ever bought was a Mitsubishi Eclipse. Mitsubishi Eclipse. That's yep. kind of a white car, isn't it? Uh, it's pr- it's a white girl's car, that's what it is. <laughs> That's how much I, I was a car aficionado. Like I saw that on the road and was like, "Yep, that's me." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I I could give a shit about cars. I'm, right, I'm totally Civic. in that sense of like, I wish I didn't have to have a car. I wish I could totally like live in an auto- autonomous car and not have to worry about traffic and bullshit. I could just watch Netflix while I rode to work. Right, yeah, <laughs> driverless cars. That sounds awesome. Yeah, cars suck. <laughs> Fuck cars. All right, next question. When I star in my first buddy cop movie, who should be my co-star? <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, who would be a good co-star with you? Um, and what role do I play? Am I the bad cop that has, you know, like, the rough edges that needs to be tamed? Or am I the, like, play-by-the-books, like, you know, rookie that, you know, just needs some experience? You're like the, you're you're the, not the straight man, you're like the goofy. Ah. You know who your, your. The comic relief one. Yeah, you know who your partner is? Dakota Freeman, right there. <laughs> you two fighting crime is the funniest thing I think I've ever. <laughs> and Dakota's the straight man, and you're just kind of like drunk all the time. And <laughs> Dakota's just like, get it together, Williams. <laughs> yeah, just, you know. 
<laughs> he's Dakota's the guy who like fumbles with his gun and just like. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's like the super like nervous plays by the book. Like, yeah, you know, is looking up the you know the code before he's like calling in for backup. Yeah, what's that Dan Harmon cartoon that everybody loves? I can't believe I don't know the Harmon Town. No, it's the, f- the fucking the scientist and the or Rick and Morty. Yeah, he's definitely the Rick, and you're definitely the Morty. <laughs> I would I watch that movie, but yeah, I'd watch the shit out of that. I do love a good buddy cop movie. They're great. They're good. Who doesn't love you know, uh, Lethal Weapon, Cop Out, Cop Out. It's <laughs> a good one. Uh, the good guys. I don't think I've seen that one, but I... Yeah, I Mark it. Wahlberg, Will Ferrell. Oh, that's can't go wrong. Winning combination. <laughs> All right, next one. What kind of porn do you think I don't watch? Uh, that's a, that's a tough one to... <laughs> <laughs> Trick question. I watch it all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna pick a safe answer and say you probably don't watch like getting fucked by horses or something. Yeah, I don't watch bestiality. Yeah, I will admit I do not watch that. Uh, that's all uh, a revelation, guys. Tidbit. Uh, not into the horse porn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but still staying on movies, I'll keep it with, what movie should I never watch? What movie should you never watch? Yeah. Ah, dude, I don't know. Any... What's a fucking... That's a good example. There are so many movies that no one should watch. Just, yeah. Like, horrible hack. Like, are there any movies that you would want your hour and a half back after you watched it? You're like... Uh, like, why did I even sit ten minutes and watch this? Yeah, uh, you, that's the hard. The hard thing about this question is you never remember those movies. You try to forget <laughs> them. Soon. It's okay. like open my comedy. Like it's so bad, and the reason I'm t- the way I can tell you it's bad is because I don't remember anything you said. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's a good point. Um, I, I, how about this? I don't know if I can answer that question. I could answer a completely different question I just made up. Movie that's so bad you have to watch it. Mm. Have you ever heard of the movie Ricky O? No. <laughs> it's, oh my God, it's a masterpiece. It's this movie made in like uh, 1980s, like China, and it's just, it's this fucking over the top, like graphic uh, kung fu movie, and it, there is Whoa. no plot continuity at all. It's a movie <laughs> you get drunk with your, like a bunch of friends, and you just make fun of it as right, it goes on. Right, right. I do love a good martial arts movie. Oh, dude, yeah. Ricky O, it's, this is how you know it's a, it's a great bad movie, it's because the title is hella redundant. It's Ricky O colon the story of ricky <laughs> <laughs> i kind of like that i, I, yeah. I almost want to use that for my special dean yeah. williams the story of daryl yeah yeah williams <laughs> daryl dot 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 williams <laughs> <laughs> yeah i like that <laughs> this, is, this is another thing that I struggle to follow. It's like as a comic, you should almost embrace when you bomb because the bombs are what make you better. Like totally. the good, the good sets, you just walk away thinking you're the shit. Like that doesn't really <laughs> help you. <laughs> it's the bad ones where you have like a you know a problem you need to dissect, and that's that mm-hmm. dissecting of the problem is what you know. I've had that. I've had m- moments where like the you learn, you know, especially when you record stuff and you know yeah. exactly the moment. Like oh, that hit. This didn't. Yeah, I mean and that's how. I, ideally, if you the the person with infinite amounts of, of self esteem <laughs> would see this bomb and they'll be like, "Oh, this is great! This is an opportunity for me to learn and right. grow." Do you find yourself falling into a lot of like comedian stereotypes, or do you think that you're like a guy that doesn't deal with a lot of the things that comedians normally deal with? 
What do you mean by like comedian stereotype? Like tortured life. They really hate themselves. They're like, you know, the sad clown. Oh, yeah. No, I've, I've fallen to a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> That's a pretty apt description. <laughs> like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hurting on the inside, but I want out everybody on the outside to, you know, secretly laugh and, and do all, you know, it's like all these ulterior motives, you know, but there are those comics that are like, no, man, I had a great life and I just like to make people laugh. <laughs> yeah. No, fuck them. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not like, oh, yeah, I had a shitty life and but i was always like you know trying to make the best of it through comedy and i you know that was the only thing that got me through life (laughs) yeah i mean i think on the outside i look like a normal guy like Mm. my life has like you know i have a a nine to five job that's pretty stable and i have a girlfriend and i have a apartment and and you're white and i'm white yes (laughs) i'm definitely white (laughs) that must be the biggest plus right i mean it has its advantages you know like (laughs) rarely get pulled over that's that's always a plus (laughs) um but yeah it's you know i uh i definitely have felt out of place most of my life and Hmm. uh would you say that you didn't you know you you've had a a hard childhood and stuff or no um not real not hard or harder than you would say average kids um again on the surface not at all but like you know i kind of dealt with some stuff like i've, I've kind of had issues with anxiety going back to when i was mm. when i was real young like elementary school age right um, and that's kind of persisted uh all my life <laughs> so <laughs> and and how has comedy like helped that you know or is it just magnified it <laughs> in certain ways it has it's, <laughs> i'm anxious about a whole slew of new things i never even thought about mm. um i think comedy has helped i used to be really terrified of conflict like of, of confronting someone like what like a friend or like anyone family basically like laying yeah. boundaries saying no to people just like you know stuff like that somebody comes up to you and like hey can i borrow your car and you're just like here's the here's keys, the keys yeah. yes <laughs> please bring it back in the next year or so <laughs> Um, and then they like tell you in 12 hours, like, oh yeah, somehow a meteor fell on it, bro. Sorry. (laughs) And you're thinking to yourself like, man, I should have got meteor insurance. (laughs) Yeah. It's, uh, that, that's basically, that's happened multiple times actually. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I've, I've been that guy, so to speak in, in certain relationships, of course, you know, I always say that it's kind of like those one way friends, you know, where like, you know, they're, they're friends, they have a relationship with you, but you're doing the effort. You're yeah. going to them. If you're if they're needing to get picked up at the airport, you would be there yeah. for them. But if you know you needed the the ride, they'd be like, "Hey, about how about you hit up Uber?" And you're like, "Oh, so it's like that." <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. you don't want to like hate it or like I'm I'm never the person that's like, "Well, fuck you." I'm always like, "Noted, you're yeah. that person." <laughs> And I will just treat you as such. Like, I won't let you be my bestie anymore. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've had people like that, too. For, for the most part, with my close friendships, it's pretty balanced. It's just, it's more like people I, I don't know as well. Or right. People, like, in a position of authority or that I'm intimidated by. <laughs> Is that way. why you're on this podcast to begin with? <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, you nailed it, man. That's <laughs> I just couldn't tell him no. He just came over with his microphones. Okay, fine. <laughs> yeah. But comedy has helped in just in that, like, getting heckled. Yeah. Like you just, I didn't even know, like I was so scared of being heckled my first year. And then mm. I, like, towards the end of that year, I realized I've been heckled like six times and nothing bad <laughs> happened. And after that, like you kind of like, I'm, you know, I'm still not, it's not my favorite thing to do is like confronting people, but like I'm a little bit more. And how do you confront hecklers? Um, what I, I mean, it depends on how they kind of come at you. I find that like people who like yell out, you suck and, sh- and shit like that. And they've said that you've had actual people just say you suck. Not. Uh, from the get-go I, that, I was gonna say i find that really rare like i don't think that's happened to me directly ever mm. i've seen it happen to other people 
Um, that that sucks. That's a hard one to come back to. But, I always just get like not funny or something like to that nature, like or move on or yeah. something like that. Like, <laughs> and there's like some stock. Like or, those those are or it's those always are a reaction. Like really or something like that. Like yeah. And what I like what I try to do is like I'll, if I I'll have like a one or two things that maybe I might throw out there that kind of like turns it around on them. Mm. Um, I don't have a whole lot of that. What I, I get a lot of is like drunk people who think they're kind of participating in the like they're helping right, me out. Right, right. And so you kind of have to like, you want to, you don't want to be too mean with those people. Um, you just kind of like want to gently slap them on the wrist and let them know, <laughs> Hey, don't do that. I don't enjoy that. I've had those times. Yeah. Where they're trying to participate and you say something and they'll go like, yep, I, I've been there. And yeah. at first you're like, yeah, this guy knows what I'm talking about. But then at the fourth been there or at the fifth time, he's like, Haha. you're like, okay, enough with you bro yeah. like you got your one been there which helped now i'm here to tell jokes still <laughs> yeah yeah and i think it's with the guys who are like super disruptive to the point where it's like they have a mission to disrupt the show right it's like you have to come at them from the angle of like you are being so embarrassing for yourself right now like this is what i see other comics do is they'll be like oh my like they kind of make that guy the butt of their joke it's like mm. this guy's so drunk like how how do you not see how much of an embarrassment you are to yourself like that's yes. that's the angle and you have to kind of keep it on them until they start to like shrink back a little bit and then you can hopefully go back into your jokes <laughs> every time when i've had a girl heckle me and i've tried to rebut or try to like win it back mm-hmm. i've always ended up just digging the hole deeper oh, and just making you- an ass of myself because then it's just like no you're just trying you just made fun of her you didn't yeah <laughs> you didn't like you know say a sassy retort or something that made her go like that put her in her place yeah. no you just like you know said she had big tits and, and she's a dummy or something. Yeah. yeah that, that's like, you can't just like flat out. Cause then it's like, it looks like you're losing control. You just flat mm-hmm. out like, fuck you back to them. Right. And I think it is like, I don't want to say weak or whatever, but it is like low hanging fruit, so to speak, where you just automatically go like, you, you notice the one thing that's like the biggest trait of about them. And then you're just like, Hey, that part sucks about you. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you keep those locked and loaded for if they're really out of line, you know, right. like if they're, mm-hmm. if they're being so like ridiculous and then you make like a, like a roast kind of joke at them to, to like, if it's the kind of person who's like, they're not going to stop until they've like, they're playing a power game and they're not going to stop until they win or you win. The only times I've seen it work with me personally is when it's a couple and then I'll be like, dude, seriously, you're with this woman. Like, oh. <laughs> like, like, like I put it on that, like. And that usually works. Yeah. You know, like... And that's not as, really? like... That's not as, like, harsh and mean. That's mm-hmm. sort of, like, a... Kind of using the environment. Yeah. Like, but when it's just a single girl or a group of girls, then it just turns into, like, oh, I just made fun of her, and her and her posse yeah. did not like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it isn't like that, like, movie uh, bachelorette party where it's like, oh, I made fun of that one girl, and then the other girls are like, yeah, bitch, you're like that. Totally. <laughs> no, they, they, no, they it's don't like, really why did you say that, that about Britney? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you get into the real one and you realize that's their friend. Like they, <laughs> they like that person a lot. Yep. And you just humiliated her in front of a room of people. They're not on mm-hmm. <laughs> theory too that like everything that, that you honestly think is funny like because like sometimes i'll convince myself something's funny when it's not because I'm, I'm looking so hard for that next joke 
but everything that you honestly think is funny is funny. You just haven't figured out how to say it on stage. Right, right. It's the delivery, you know. I, yeah. I almost find it myself, yeah, I don't have the confidence enough to say this yet. Yeah. But I know there's a kernel of something. Like, it's made me laugh inside. <laughs> and, and maybe, like, some ideas aren't well-suited for stand-up. Maybe it would be mm. something that would be better as a sketch or a video. But, like, if, if there's yeah. a funny thing there, like, it's there's probably... Other people would find it funny, too, if you honestly, oh, yeah. in your core, think it's funny. I've had things like conversations on the podcast that have made me cry, that have made me so, like, me and a, a guest are just laughing so hard that we're like, this is so hilarious. And then I've tried to bring that same premise or whatever on stage, and it just falls flat. And it's like, oh, this was just for the podcast. It was a funny conversation. It's not a funny joke. Yeah, huh, interesting. And, uh, you know... It is a lot of that, like where the, the medium in which you say it is could change the way it is. You know, the way it's presented is just, oh, yeah, this needs, needs to be a sketch. Yeah. This doesn't need to be someone's observation. Yeah. And I mean, like I talked like recently me and Emily Champlin uh, came up with this idea of uh, we were talking about was there a specific day when blackface wasn't cool (laughs) like yesterday it was totally fine to be in blackface like the office guy like cut up was totally wearing blackface and everybody was loving it and then yeah on tuesday it was like dude bill you didn't get the memo blackface is not cool like that is a fantastic premise that's hilarious yeah and we're like this needs to be a sketch yeah and i'm like thinking to myself okay that was pretty funny maybe i'll try to say it on stage and yeah, I bring it up on stage. Does not work. Do you guys think that there was a specific day when it wasn't cool to wear blackface? <laughs> like, you would, it's obviously not cool now. Like, I didn't think to myself, like, I wonder if I should do this set in blackface. Like, no, it's stupid. Like, but that's the thing. Like, was there a specific day where, like, a guy came into work, like, and on Tuesday he was in blackface and everybody was like, man, look at that guy. He's so hilarious. And then, like, the next day it was like, dude, Bill, fuck that, man. Blackface is no longer accepted in this office. Pack up your bags and get the hell out of here. Probably not. From your silence. Nobody ever had that in their office. Man. Everybody's like, why'd you just bring up a blackface joke? (laughs) And it was like, but I thought it worked. It worked on the podcast and it would probably be a cool sketch. Yeah. But clearly not me to bring on stage. (laughs) Yeah. Cause at the end of the day, stand up is a verbal medium. Like, so I, it's well suited for ideas that are expressed easily through words. And it's like, whether you want it, no matter how you kind of go about it, like when you're on stage, people are kind of processing your material through you and mm. they're using it to kind of get an idea of who you are. Yes. And so it's like, you kind of have to keep that in mind where it's like, even if you're not, even if you're like, well, I'm just doing this goofy because this is just stage me. This is not real me. Right. They don't right. see that distinction quite as clearly. How much do you embellish versus this is just a real story that I just made funny? Um, I, I mean, I think, I mean, all the jokes I've had that have ever worked, they've all had, like, a core of truth. I'll kind of, like... Uh, it has to have some reality. It's not like yeah. you're like, hey, I met... Uh, I always bring up the... You know, you can meet Sandra Bullock in person, but the minute you say, like, I was on the bus and Sandra Bullock came by and suddenly 
the bus couldn't go under 70 miles an hour. Yeah. And we were on top of it, and she made out, and blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, come on, man. <laughs> and, well, I, th- I think it depends on how you present those tor- sorts of jokes, because, like, Attell does jokes that are, like, really, like, out there, and, like, mm-hmm. you know, just weird shit. Um, but they're hilarious, just because I, that's kind of his thing. Like, he doesn't... Yes. He's not, like... He never really gives you the vibe of, like, okay, this is my real life, and then tries yeah, to pass he'll, off He'll say something like, you know... You ever be like eating some girl's asshole and she farts in your mouth and you're like, that's funny. Yeah. Maybe did I can picture him maybe eating an asshole and that really happening, but who knows if it really happened. Yeah. And he just said it because he's David Tell. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But it's almost like you have to have it be real enough and just believable that whatever you say is something that you believe, you know? Oh yeah. (laughs) Cause I know that audiences can under, can, kind of tell like oh yeah you're making this shit up <laughs> yeah no that's true and that's you know they can tell when you're making it up and when you're um when you're not like re- like you're, you're reciting versus saying mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. or if like you don't you're not interested in doing the joke kind of thing yeah um but yeah for, and back to the the question i uh i heighten things a little bit um i have i have a joke where the punchline is uh somebody I'm like, oh, why did you do this particular thing? Is it because of this reason? And the punchline is like, no, it's because you look too sad. That never actually happened. It was a thought that I had in my head. Mm. I was like, oh, I bet you the reason that this never happens to me is because I look too sad. And I realized that would be funnier if I heard it, if I externalized it and put it in someone else's voice, yes. saying it to me. So I'll do stuff like that. I mean, I consider shit like that like kind of artistic license. I can just structure it in the best way. Of course. Um I've had something kind of like that. Like I've, I've said it on the podcast where and uh, um, I had that story about this guy and him being a time traveling drunk. And it's like the whole premise of that is made up. But I did really have a guy come up to me one time and just say like kid rock socks. Don't see him live. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Like what a peculiar thing to say. Yeah. I'm now going to create a story around that. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I never doubted that joke. Like I always mm-hmm. like, that never like broke plausibility with me. Exactly. I, I love that joke. Yeah. It's really funny. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes that works. Some, and I've noticed on that joke too. Like, there's a lot of things that I cut out that didn't need to be in that story. Yeah. And you know, you just keep the meat. Yeah. But yeah. I think yeah that that first time I said, I think you were at the uh, at Poyos when I first said that for the first time. Oh like, yeah, that was I the first time that, I said yeah. that story. And it's almost like it, it it hit pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. But. It's hit well since then, but I will say, like, I'm almost trying to chase that first time still. <laughs> <laughs> I've had that happen before. Yeah, you're trying to, to chase that response. Mm-hmm. I've, I've had all sorts of weird things where jokes work for a long time and they stop working. Or I bring a joke back and it worked better than it used to yeah. a lot. It's crazy. It's, you know, to to say you know what you're doing is, like, totally an overstatement. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I have no you idea. barely <laughs> will know what you're doing at any time. Like, even Bill Burr and the greats are going to be like, I don't know. I mean, there's times when they are going up on stage going like, this might work. Yeah. Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Comedy is- and there's still Bill Burr. You like, there's, you know, to us, you're like, you should, everything that comes out of your mouth is probably gold, but they're still like, no, not everything. Yeah. Like there's still a lot of shit that has the potential of not working. Yeah. I mean, Burr, I've, I listen to his podcast pretty religiously. Right. And I've heard him talk about, like, right after a special comes out, he's like, oh, God. Like, talking about the, the period of time where he's like, he used to have this incredible act, and now he's starting from nothing. And like, yeah. Like, he talks about the pressure of having to go up there for 15 minutes and just not having the jokes for it. 
at the store or something. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's not like he's going into some dive bar. It's like he's going into a club that people pay twenty bucks, thirty bucks to get in to see you work out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a whole different level of pressure. Mm-hmm. I, I get, I get nervous for like, like little bar shows, like right. I and can't then imagine being on that stage. And every guy's a killer. You know, oh, yeah. it's like you're following Dalia, and then the person that's following you is Rogan, and then you're and you're supposed to middle like. <laughs> yeah, I could always, I would always, I get that now where I'm like, ah, oh, I gotta follow this guy. Dang it! <laughs> <laughs> Keith drops down a wine bar. It's something you have to follow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and you're like, ah. But other times, I've used a good guy's momentum, and I and I feel like I've done pretty well because he warmed him up so well. I was just about to say that. It's like sometimes being easy to follow is kind of a compliment because it means you put the crowd in a good state without getting them kind of like rambunctious or anything. Mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. it's all things being equal. I think it's easier to follow someone who's, who's like a killer than it is someone who, who just bombed because depending on how they right. bomb, because that could put the crowd in like a really weird space. Cause it's easier to keep the wave going instead of building the wave from scratch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, even if you go after like a killer, like maybe you don't kill as hard and maybe there's like a bit of a letdown. Right. But unless you fuck up real badly, you're probably not going to bring it to a halt. Right, right, right. Whereas you might inherit inherit the show at a point where it's at a halt and you have to kind of start it up. that were so drunk one night at the anchor or not anchor bar but it was at harp and i basically asked one of them like is the groom a horse are you into horse fucking all this stuff and that certainly just was like yeah fuck you (laughs) (laughs) well that that could be because they got an open mic to it if they're just being like kind of wild and rowdy if you just and they've been doing it to a bunch of comics you could do a thing you just go up and you just fuck with them you just say things to make them uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and just kind of play to the other comics i've noticed a lot of that crowd work is that like it it's just shock value. It's like, I'm going to just try to say the most grotesque and lewd thing because I know they're never going to remember it. This is never <laughs> going to happen. Like this is just in the moment. No, nobody's ever going to remember this. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like I, I, that's what I used to always think about when, when I would always, uh, go on early in my career. Like even now, like I always feel like self-conscious about like, Oh, I'm going to bomb and everybody's going to laugh and point at me and like humiliate me. And it's like, Oh no. As soon as I went off stage, they forgot every single word I yeah. said instantly. Yeah. And just was like on to the next comic. <laughs> I, yeah. No, I I'm, I'm with you. I just started to realize like no one gives like, a shit. Oh, the world is no different before or after this performance. Exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah. People just peep. No one, even the other comics in the room, 15 minutes after it happened, they don't remember. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not thinking about it. They're thinking about their shit. Right. You, really they'll say good matter. set, bad You know, they won't say bad set. But they'll, <laughs> <laughs> they'll give you the look that says bad set. <laughs> but even myself, you know, you don't remember the whole set verbatim. Yeah. You just remember that it was good. Like, oh, that guy la- made that audience laugh. Yeah. Good for him. <laughs> Do you ever feel like you have a good set and like you twist how good it is in your head over time. Mm. And you listen to the recording a few days later, and you're like, oh, fuck, I did not do nearly as well as Hell I thought yeah. I did. Hell yeah. Yeah, like, I'll go on stage, and I'll come off, and I'll think, like, man, that was a pretty decent set, especially if it was, like, new material that I think that worked. Yeah. And then I'll, like, yeah, try to listen to it for the podcast later, 
And then maybe there was two audible laughs out of the whole set. And it was like, oh, that that's nothing. Like, that's two, yeah. two laughs out of a five-minute set. Like, that's not killing or doing yeah, well. Yeah. Like, Dude, I've had times on the drive home where I was like, fuck, I killed. And then I listened to the recording the next day. And I'm like, I did moderately okay. <laughs> you know? Like, it was... I wouldn't even think, like, the best recording that I've ever had, like, the best audience I've ever had is still like, oh, yeah, I would never turn that into a CD. Yeah. Or that's never, like, a good enough for a special or whatever. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that was one good set with a, a very generous drunk audience. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I'll bring back jokes that used to work, like, when I first started doing stand-up. Like what? Um, oh, you want you want me to describe some of my first jokes? <laughs> you don't have to say the jokes, but, you know, maybe some early premises. Okay, or... I had, um, my first time I did stand-up, bomb, I did, like, two and a half minutes, got zero laughs. <laughs> it was It was pretty awful. How Second, long ago was that? How long have you uh, been doing? Two years and a month. Okay. About, uh, February 2015. And then the, the second time, which was like a week or two later, I went up and I did okay. And, what was the club? Uh, it was definitely not a club. It was <laughs> a bar. It was the Tribal Cafe in, <laughs> nice. in Los Angeles. Yeah, was, I know uh, where it is. It's it's a fucking weird room, man. It is, it is a thing it's all a mixed to itself. Mic. Yeah. It's, but it's mostly comics. It's mm-hmm. not a mixed mic like the way wine bars a mixed mic. Right. But it's, it's in a weird part of town and it's like... Yeah, there's an, there's an energy to that place. It's yeah, kind of I've done it a few wild. times. Yeah, I did there, and it was like one of those rare nights where it was actually really good there. Like there, someone brought some friends. Nice. And I went up, I did okay, and the joke I did had to do with um, this was the the go to joke I had for like my first six months. It was about a Tupac song, <laughs> um, Hail Mary. He has a line in there where he's like, "Mama told me never stop until I bust a nut." Mama told me never stop until I bust a nut. Fuck the world and they can't adjust. It's just a swear hail Mary with me. And that was pretty much the joke. It was just me saying that and being white. <laughs> and <laughs> Not gonna lie, I, that's I can see that hitting. Yeah, I, and I said it in like a very dramatic, like poetic tone. Mm-hmm. And then I was mm-hmm. like, "My mom never said that to me." <laughs> and that was that was the bit. Um. It does, yeah, right off the bat, I I will say I'm not I'm not trying to be uh, prejudiced, but I do not. Uh, think of you as a Tupac fan. <laughs> no, I and, and so here's the thing is, I actually and I, I go on and off with this. Like sometimes I'll listen to a lot of hip hop, but I for a good portion of my life I was a I was really into hip hop, like old school stuff, nice. especially yeah, like you know Biggie. <laughs> Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, mostly East Coast stuff. Like, uh, I like Biggie a lot. Um, I got into hip hop through Eminem, which is the whitest thing anyone's ever said. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would assume every white boy in the mid '90s had to love Eminem, right? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. That's that's true. That's it was required. It was yeah, required. like he was your one in to yeah. the genre, like, <laughs> <laughs> like. Oh, you like Eminem? Yeah. Well, okay. You know, it's he's still cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, you get a pass. But yeah, we know why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do I remember when like there was a time where like being a white dude who liked hip hop, like in the mid two thousands, that made you different. Right. And now right. every fucking white dude and listens to Biggie. Were you still wearing your outfits that you're wearing now or were were you hip <laughs> worse. <and> not- <laughs> they were worse. <laughs> you were fubooed out? You- no, I was I was definitely not fubooed. I wore like dude, I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. I was I would wear like oversized athletic t shirts like Nike and then cargo shorts like a motherfucker. Nice. It, oh my god, I was backward hat. The least fuckable <laughs> high schooler. <laughs> <laughs> you could imagine really skinny too so I, I like i i looked like i was wearing a 10 it was awful nice all right let's see uh oh okay here is the last question what should be my new drink order? Uh, your new drink order should be uh, uh, what would I don't know, what would be a drink order that you would drink? You got the beard, so I don't want to go with anything like whiskey. Mm-hmm. I do like whiskey. Yeah, but it goes with you. You got the, you got right, the right. beard. Right, right. It's though, too so obvious. Yeah, it's too. It's too simple. Yeah. Uh, so like what? Then a Cosmo or something? Or <laughs> uh, no. An no, Apple Teeny. <laughs> that seems like your drink of choice. Uh, thank you. <laughs> I'll uh, uh, Zach Braff in Scrubs. Apple teeny, please. Easy on the team. Oh yeah, yeah. Ah, what would be a good drink for you, man? Um, so you drink a lot of whiskey. Mm-hmm. I do like Jameson. I do like Seagrams. Yeah. I've I I've gotten drunk and like made up drinks that I thought were a great idea and they're always fucking terrible. Like you just create. Oh, like... I got a fucking drink for you. Oh, okay. Uh. This is a uh, this it, it's it's a, it's an interesting it's called Thug's Passion. Thug's Passion. It's originated no. by Tupac himself. Awesome, bringing it back to Tupac. He he wrote a song about it, and the opening of this song is him repping the drink he made. All right, new drink. One part Alize, one part Cristal. Thug's Passion, baby. Y'all know what time it is. The drink is guaranteed. You get the pussy wet and the dick hard. Now if you with me, pour a glass of drink with a nigga. You know what I mean? I ain't trying to turn y'all niggas into alcohols, alcoholics. <laughs> I'm just trying to turn you into motherfucking pills. So come get some of this stuff. Which he, he intended before he died to eventually like bottle and sell. Yeah, this is just an endorsement of yeah, his product. It's, it, the song is basically a, like a, a trailer for the drink he wanted to release. It's called Doug's Passion. He's like, Doug's Passion. One part Alizé, one part Cristal. Guaranteed to get your pussy wet and your dick hard. They went and did it, so mash out and get a glass. Then finally got his own drink, call it Doug Pass. Introducing a special brew made for a certain few. I'm thugged out while Snoop Dogg sipping blue. I'm headed to the newest liquor store. What's up? To get myself some blueberry. You act like you don't know. The new drink provided by Say Hi. Blueberry gets my flavor, and I know you won't know why. I'm telling all my people. 
Uncle took them up from Sailor Cause this blue tape is guaranteed to get you home. So dip down or skip down, however you get it. Blueberry gets my favor. Let me know. I'm like, what kind of fucking. Like, what kind of party do you go to, Tupac? Where that's like. I feel like, you know, if you're gonna make a drink that has a hundred and twenty dollar bottle of like champagne in it it's yeah. probably gonna be good no matter what yeah yeah like yeah i'll drink that because just to the price tag yeah and you pour a 25 dollar bottle of alizé into it too <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like tupac for sure let's mix this really nice thing with this really shitty thing <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah no alizé that sounds like a it's very sweet it's very, I've had it back in the 90s for sure yeah it's it's a it's a girl-friendly drink if you're, yep. if you're drinking with a, a it's like malibu girls, yeah yeah, yeah. It's uh, it gets you kind of like I I've done it with my friends before and I can't say our dicks were hard or our pussies were wet, but <laughs> we got pretty crazy on it, you know? We you got and pretty your other yeah. thugs. Yeah, me and me and my uh, roommate from college who's an Indian comp sci major and <laughs> his sister <laughs> and my girlfriend. We got we got wild, you know. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> we were wild and out. Awesome. That does sound fun. So it's a good time, man. I do want to thank Ryan for coming in or let me come over to his humble abode and uh, chatting with him about the great life of stand-up comedy. And I definitely want to have him uh, plug his own brand or his uh, upcoming dates if you guys, if you have anything coming up. Uh, To be determined. (laughs) (laughs) Not at the moment. That's all right. Uh, Well, what about your social media? You want to throw out that? People can uh, follow you somewhere? No, fuck social media. I don't do <laughs> oh, you're... No presence. <laughs> the first comic that's like, nope, I'm not on Facebook. Fuck Instagram. I, I am on Facebook. I don't post on it at all, though. Just... I do find that I don't see a lot of uh, your, your musings up there. I do. I hate it. It, it makes me so self-conscious. Mm. I, I should start a Twitter, though, and just not tell anybody and start. Ah. Just to, like, run shit. But, like, I, yeah, I don't like social media. <laughs> it does not make me feel good. Right, right, right. I'll admit, yeah. I do feel that I need a small presence based on this show, you know, yeah. just for a promotional tool. Yeah. But uh, it does seem like it's more of a curse in a lot of ways, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, if, uh, at some point I'm gonna have to. That's fucking. Hmm. God, or you could just know. be like Zach Galifianakis, where you're like that artist that's just so, you know, not into that. You, you can be that, you know, avant-garde. Like, oh, he's cool because he's not on social media. Yeah. That's. Uh, I don't think that's the reality of today's stand-up world anymore. Unfortunately, I kind of made it before that happened. Yeah, I did uh, have a, a bit early on about like, man, I don't think I'm gonna make it because I don't know how to make T-shirts. <laughs> that's funny. That's 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 like an inside baseball joke. You're like, you kind of have to know how comedy yeah. works a little bit. Yeah. But uh, yes, on that note, I will plug some dates. I'm gonna be at the uh, Doll Hut on the 12th, as well as uh, speaking of 12s. May 12th is a big announcement. I was uh, saving it for this episode, but I'm going to be talking about it for the next few weeks. But yes, May 12th, I'm going to have a one-year podcast celebration that's going to be a live comedy show. I'm hosting my first comedy show at the OC Steelhouse, May 12th. It's going to be hosted by myself with a lot of special unknown guests. (laughs) Uh, Unknown because I haven't hit up everybody, but they will be guests from the show, so comedians that are going to be that are your favorites comedians you know from past episodes will be at this live show so if you guys want to see all the comics that have been on this show from the past year 
they will be there in person doing stand-up. Hosted all by myself. It's going to be awesome. OC Steelhouse. Anyway, guys, I will give you details as they come in, but mark your calendars. And also, if you guys uh, want to just hit me up on social media, go to This Comics Live on Facebook and Instagram, or you can hit up the email at thiscomicslivepod at gmail.com, or hit me up on Twitter at the Stories. All right, enough of that. Definitely thanks again, Ryan, for coming in or letting me host. Let me come in to your house and just rack your brain, talk to you for a little bit. It's been awesome. Thanks again for having me, man. Of course. And until next, guys, uh, next week, of course, I'm going to be having Amber Scalzo in full effect. Yes. So tune in next week for her interview. But until then, take it easy and peace out. Peace out.